How's your week? Good, man. You've uh, been making waves this week, I'll tell you what. Ah, God, I... Making waves, making grown men cry. I, 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 yeah, yeah. This has been a hell of a response. I was taken completely aback, I must say. By the, by the response? You've got to be kidding. That was the some of the best writing I've ever seen from you. It's it's a little over it. It's a little overwrought in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah, no, on, um, on uh, the Thursday at like 8, um... You know, have bath time and getting ready for bedtime. And I sat down and started typing and went to bed at 11 and got up at 4 and I did more. And, uh, <laughs> and then I posted it Friday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So, no, but that was like, you know, in a couple sittings. It's long. It's long. But there's, I, I, there's about two thirds of it I didn't put up. So, <laughs> really? What was in the other two thirds? You don't want to know. <laughs> That's what made it a better piece of writing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good, really, really good. We're talking did you about like, no. Crank, did you yeah, actually? Did you like it? I did. Sorry, it complete, yeah, go ahead, made me cry it. a little bit. For real? Yeah, the, for the, real. The part, the beginning part, the yeah, end part about your book didn't make, didn't make me cry. Although I, I felt feelings of uh, sympathetic frustration. Really? Uh, yeah. It, it didn't sound like a dick thing. No. Mm, yeah, I can see how it sounded like a dick thing. But thanks, thanks for saying that. It's um. The response from um, a lot of people has been super nice, and like uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding glib. It's uh, it's been a really emotional week for me to I be bet. just dead honest because uh, I didn't even realize how much of this was kind of percolating, uh, percolating. And I guess if you go watch the Webstock talk, you can see. Isn't it weird that you could talk about your dad who died forty years ago and Bruce Springsteen, and you cry about both? Like, why is that? And like, uh, so that's why. Because yeah. <laughs> he has been on my mind, he's always on my mind. You know how can he not be? Yeah. But uh, but you know, I, yeah, it was weird. Um, I watched that Springsteen documentary again. Man, that was good. It was a good documentary. Um, it was called uh, Wings for Wheels. And as I said, it's full of a lot of hagiography. But the story of how Born to Run got made is actually pretty great. And it's I really uh, give myself a giant pat on the back <laughs> by acting like this is even similar. But um. Yeah, the response has been nice, and I, I got to say, I mean, not not to discount the the many people who said nice things publicly on the internet, the response privately has been um, staggering. Uh, people I haven't heard from from years, my best friend from childhood, uh, who knows where Lurose's Pizza is, <laughs> um, and uh, but to be honest, our, our minister's kid, who knew me then, mm. uh, wrote to me, and that's just wow. Um, uh, pretty well-known marketing guy who doesn't have a lot of hair wrote me an email that made me oh, cry. Really? And um, I, w- I would cry if he wrote me as well. A really nice guy. And um, just a lot of people, a lot of people in that we've talked about on this show who are really nice and just couldn't believe the covers really at all. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so I wrote this thing, cranking uh, this long, whiny 3,000-word thing I put up on uh, Friday about... Um, well, see now, I this is the, this is one funny thing. Well, for, well, first of all, can I ask? I looked, I looked at the awesome uh, about thirty minutes ago. I last looked at the awesome questions and comments. Have you picked out questions and comments from the nerds? There are a lot of them in there. We'll just do our best to find some good ones. But can you, can you? I, I mean, I'd be happy to pick them, but I think it'd be probably more sensible if you picked them, unless you think it's appropriate for me to pick them. But I think you know, you should pick them. You're the interviewer, right? You're, it's your, your damn show. It's your network, Dan. You're the I'll big try. Shocker. I'll try and pick the good ones. Okay, you pick. I'll talk for a second. Um, what was my point? Oh, uh, the uh, the cranking. I, um, 
the response from people has been really great, and I think it's because I um, uh, it's not me. It's just the experience. It's an experience everybody's had. Everybody has almost everybody has had um, a, a parent, and almost every a lot not everybody, but a lot of people have had kids. And in a way that is completely alien until you've had both, you change a little bit, which sounds so stupid. And this is why your dad's a dork and wears black socks and you think he's an idiot. Well, <laughs> like he probably used to be a guy that, you know, got, got a lot of blowjobs and listened to Led Zeppelin and now he's taking your shit, you know? So give him a break. You know what I'm saying? I don't like these socks any more than anybody. <laughs> Led Zeppelin 3, right? Are we, are we together on yeah, that? Yeah, we're on that. Okay. Um, but it is a funny, funny thing. Uh, and I think uh, being a smartass, really, uh, on some level, a professional smartass, it's been really funny to ha- be, uh, have the wind knocked out of me by the experience of having a kid. And uh, let me just say, like, it, it ain't all sunshine and roses by any stretch. You know, that's the thing that makes it so crazy is that, like, I was, I was saying to my daughter the other day, like, we saw this, this, uh, little, this little girl that we see sometimes at the little store around the corner who's just this adorable little two-year-old kid. And I said, oh, man, she's growing up so fast. And I said, like, oh, quit growing up. You know, joke I always make and I make with her sometimes. She's like, why did you say that? Why did you tell her not to grow up? And I said, well, because it's really complicated for parents, Ellie. It's really hard because we remember you being a baby and we love watching you grow up and we can't wait to see what you turn into. But it's really hard for us because we love the fact that you need us less. But it's also really hard because we like that you need us. And, of course, that reminds us of our parents. I'm not trying to be emotional or, like, win you over here. I'm just telling you that it's really a complicated feeling, don't you think? Well, I think it's very complicated. I don't and, even you know, know how to, I don't know how to tease it apart, really. It's why I love Louis, one of the God dozen reasons I love Louis C.K. so much. Um, oh gosh, which is his one? Nerds. What's his? Uh, what's the one where he talks about Cinnabon and his the ankle? What's what's that special? And you guys tell me when that comes up. Yeah, um, but Louis C.K. The stuff he talks about with kids is just so funny because it's all the stuff you're not supposed to say about kids. Like my daughter's so stupid. She comes up and she tells me, "Here's a secret. That's not a secret. You don't know any secrets." Oh, oh, what? She had an abortion. You got nothing you can tell me that's a secret. Anyway, he's just he's really really funny about it, and obviously loves his kids. But he's also his whole show, his whole FX show, is so great because it's about like how messed up it is. You know, the wonderful wonderful Jonathan Colton. I think I get a dollar every time I mention him on this show. He has the, the Does he have know, an affiliate thing? Oh, that's such a good idea. Like affiliates.jonathancolton.com. You um, do like five by five dash twenty to like link to that. Yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. You know what? Can you capture that? We should put that in front of him. I'll diary it. Jonathan mentions it in that interview we did. Um, he talks about this song he wrote that I love called You Ruined Everything, Peren, in the nicest way. And it's about like, you know, the song's all about, oh gosh, I was growing up, I finally figured out how to handle life, and then this baby comes along and screwed up everything, jerk. You know, you ruined everything in the nicest way. And that's, that's true. Like, they do ruin everything, like literally. Like, you come home and I've, I've, got, I've got like stickers on screens and stuff, and those don't come off. You know? I like, you know, I like, uh, I like a probe droid as much as the next person, but I don't need that in the middle of my monitor. Okay? Uh... And so I think that's why a lot of people related to that. Now, what, what's funny is, though, not funny, but like, so yeah, a lot of people responded to that because I did this really annoying emotional thing that I needed to say. Um, but then, like, on another level, a lot of people read it as like, oh, it's Merlin, the productivity guy going, this stuff is hard and family priorities. And yeah, absolutely, that's, that's a message of it. But I hate when people explain what they wrote. I hate it so much. Mm. But... The, if I were going to, like, to me, uh, the, gosh, what is it? One of my favorite poets is this, this guy. Oh, I love him so much, Richard Hugo. 
um, guy from Montana and later um, Seattle. And he has a wonderful book about writing called The Triggering Town. And he talks, he, he writes a lot about these towns in the West. He writes these wonderful poems and just full of just, you know, they're just wonderful poems. And The Triggering Town, he talks about, uh, you could also think of this as Kill Your Darlings or whatever you want to call it, but he talks about The Triggering Town. Like, what it is it that made me start writing this? Like, that may be the town that makes it into the poem, or it may not be. I, the Triggering Town is just what got it started. That's not necessarily the town that this ends up being about. This would be the town that it ends up being about, and it may not be about a town. That's how writing works. This started out as, holy Christ on a crutch, I really need to send my editor the best email stuff that I have written. I really do. <laughs> I need to put together some email stuff, quote unquote, and I've got a lot of it. You know, One reason I got this book deal is I already had 45,000 pretty good words good enough to get me a book deal (laughs) about email, um, amongst other things, thankfully. Um, But that's how it started. But that's what fell out, right, is is that stuff. But so, yeah, it's about my dad. And and yeah, it's about priorities. But like, if I were going to describe it to somebody, um, the least interesting part of it to everybody but me is that it's about something a lot more subtle, I, I think, which is the struggle that I've had, which is why did I want to have the last show be about agency, Dan? I sure didn't know at the time. It's about the point when you go, I'm trying to do my job, and there's, other, there's these other people who are trying to do their job, and right now, we are doing different jobs that may not be reconcilable. And that doesn't make either of us bad. It might make me bad. I'm Okay, fine. <laughs> but the point is, somebody else who's doing their job well, um, and me doing my job well, at a certain point, there's going to, there may be something irreconcilable about that. And there's a certain amount of acceptance one must find about that. You know, if you can change it, change it. And if you can't, you have to accept that you can't change it on some level. That's what I saw it as. I saw it as, you know, I'm, my wife and I, like, God, we've, we've talked about this for years. It's cool. Like, go work late. Do what you got to do. You got a weird job. It's really cool. We both really like it. I'm work my ass off on something, but Something has happened in the last little while. This made me go, wait a minute. Like, there's too many of those sacrifices for where I am with this. You know, I, I've, I've probably written a lot more good stuff than would be apparent from that post. I've got a lot of really good stuff. I'm just not totally persuaded it's the good stuff that they want. Um, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it's, either it's not, maybe it may not be the good stuff they want. It may not be in the format they want. It may not be in, the, in Microsoft Word. There's a lot of reasons why it's not <laughs> the thing that they want. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, God. (laughs) Microsoft Word. When are you people going to get over the Microsoft Word? Um, But it was something where, like, if I were going to summarize that, I'd say it as, and I'm sorry, it's not like I was just busting a gut about my dad. What I was really ultimately saying is that, like, at a certain point, you have to know when to stop sacrificing because now it's, it's sunk costs. And now you're spending, you're throwing, as I said, what is it they say? You're throwing good money after bad. So it's not that I don't want to work hard. It's not that I don't want to book. It's not that I want to go piss off these really hardworking people in New York City. It's that at a certain point, I went, look, wait a minute. This is not working. The job that I'm doing here is not helping anyone. And doing it harder is going to help them less. Mm. And that does include my daughter. And that does include my editor. And if my editor, who's awesome, disagrees with that, well, that's okay because that's her job. Like, if I... Right now, let's say I go hit the whatever I hit in Skype. Can I, can I just say all I ever do is force quit Skype? I don't actually know how to quit it. I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I hit light switch and I go command FF and just quit it. Um, but if I did, if I command FF and um, 
and went out and did some Richard balls. Let's say I went out and I did a, I loaded up some Richard balls and I got me some, uh, well, what is it Richard likes to do when he cross-dresses? He has lots of heroin and meth. Anyway, let's say I got a lot, I get all coked up. I go get behind the wheel of the car and I just go start peeling out, you know, and listening to the whole steady really loud who are really good. Not that they, not that they do Richard balls. Don't get me wrong. But let's say I just, uh, I get all wasted and start driving around. Well, like if I wrap my car around something important and the police come to the scene, the person who uh, puts the handcuffs on me might be the nicest person in the entire world. And you know what? It might actually be one of my best friends. Who knows? You know, it might be one of the cops I know from, from near our house, right? The thing is, that's that person's job. It's that person's job to get the coked up guy out of the car. And no matter how much I really want to drive coked up, it's always going to be his job to get me out of that car. As I've said to Veen, Veen, Veen posted this from an IM session from like, what, 2003, but it reads like a poem, but we were IMing and talking about the work I was doing with him as a project manager, and I described it as being like a bouncer, where I put my hand on your back, and we start walking toward the door, right? And we could, everything's fine as long as we're moving toward the door. As long as we're moving toward the door, we don't have a problem. But like the second we start moving anyway but toward the door, we have a problem, right? Because that's your job as a bouncer and as a project manager, it's your job as a cop to get the cooked up guy out of your car. Right. It's your job as a publisher to publish a book. A book that was supposed to be out a really long time ago. Um, we can go into some of the reasons why it didn't come out a long time ago. Some of the reasons. Because um, it's really not fair for me to just tell the, the one side of the story here. I don't think that's fair. Well, actually, um, co- coincidentally, I have your, your publishers uh, here online with us. Perhaps. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, Hello, I'm Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> Don't use this. I was wondering if 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 Pay we me. could if this would be a good time to jump into these questions. We can. Let me just finish. I'll finish the one super yeah. quick thought, which is this, which is that no matter no matter how you choose to look at this, um, and you could certainly say as I as I thought I did in the essay that I have not done my job well. But there is a point when when two jobs are not reconcilable. The job of the coked up driver who loves the hold steady is at odds with the job of the cop who has to keep that person off the road. And, and I don't know, we can come back to this, but this is, I mean, to me, this is the difference between indifference and acceptance. It's, you know, it's the difference between, well, we can come back to that, but um, go ahead. Give me a question. Yes. Uh, you there. Is the caller there? <laughs> well, what, what's interesting about this, the way these comments work is you can, you can actually have them pro- sorted by popularity because people will go through and they'll click like the, the, the little like button on the comments. So it'll sort of push them up to the top. Mm-hmm. So there was one that I had picked, which actually is, is one of the top ones. And, and just so that you know, John Syracuse liked this one. So good. that, to me, is a validation that we should talk about. So it's, it's got good spelling and stuff. I guess. Cranking, this is by Kenny. Kenny Myers. I'm going to say the names because they're on the website, so they, they're okay with it, right? Just, I think that sounds like a fake name. It probably is. Nope. Yeah. Cranking is a well-written piece, but you announced the book two years ago. You also previously were con- uh, contracted to write another book about life hacks that, f- that fell through. While it is absolutely reasonable to prioritize family over everything, two years and a previous failed effort make it appear that there's something else. To an outside observer, it feels like you're placing blame on something else. So what's going wrong, he says. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's certainly a question I've asked myself a lot. Uh, the book he's talking about, the f- earlier book, was a book that uh, Danny O'Brien and I were contracted to write with um, O'Reilly. Um, and uh, I forget what the original name of it was. Brian Sawyer, my wonderful editor there, could probably remind me. But we fin- I think we finally persuaded them it should be called Life Hacks. I mean, I'm, I'd be happy to go into why that didn't work out. I I'd probably don't need to. It's to say that it didn't work out. 
partly, gosh, O'Reilly's. Oh, gosh, O'Reilly's. Believe it or not, Dan, O'Reilly, like the tech yeah. company. Yeah. They're Microsoft Word templates for these things. <laughs> no, the macros. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, I mean, in a nut, the reason that didn't work out is that Danny and I are a little goofy, but also that it was extremely hard to take something like use paper <laughs> or write on an index card and turn it into a multi-step process. Yeah. It was extremely hard to do. Uh, in the same way that it's very hard for me to give quote-unquote inspiration to somebody without, expl- without explaining why inspiration is kind of a dumb idea, right? If you see a pattern here, you're not the only person. Uh, it was very hard. I mean, should should we have accepted that deal? Well, gosh, what would you do? If you'd had a blog for a month and got a book deal, would you have said no? Yeah, probably. really. Probably you would have said no, right? No, I, I probably would have said if yes. The whole reason, if the, whole, the guy who made you want to start a site said, do you want to write a book with me, you probably would have said no, right? Well, I've actually had two book deals, uh, but I wound up n- canceling them before we ever got to the right. deeper stage because of the amount of pressure and time that it quickly became evident and the schedule that was being imposed Right. I said, there's just no way I could do a good job of this. And I was just talking to somebody yesterday who was talking, telling me that uh, her, her business partner for a while was involved in you know, writing a book and just how hard it is and how much work it is. And I, I, you know, I, I just, I, for me, it was overwhelming. I said, there's no way, and this was years ago. I said, there's just no way, I'm sorry, but I just can't do it. I, I think I bit off more than I could chew here. It's too much. It's yeah. a lot. I mean, it really was, is a lot it, of work. Was it kind of the same story for both of them? Yeah, exactly the same way. I thought, right. well, now the second time, well, now I've got, now I've got this, I've got this, and right. then the, yeah. then something changed or the schedule became too real, and I was like, man, I can't, I can't do this. It's too crazy. I can't, it's, I, it's, I can't. Fit it's it kind of like a, in some ways, it's almost like a literary bar bet, right? So, like any of you nerds out there right now, like look around your minimalist desk and try to find a piece of paper. Like, go grab any the biggest piece of paper you want. Go grab the hugest piece of paper you can find and fold it in half seven times. You can do right that, now. right? I mean, how hard is that? Go fold it in half seven times. I'm going to do it right now? Sure, yeah, if you want, go ahead. While you're working I... on it, uh, while you go ahead and get started on that, you won't be able to do it because you can't fold a piece of paper seven times. It seems like it's really, like you would go, well, of course I can fold a piece of paper seven times. Well, you can't. Yeah. I think they on Mythbusters, if you get a big enough piece of paper, they got like a football field-sized paper that was very thin, like a newsprint, and they were yeah. able to do it. Those guys are smart. Yeah, uh, I'll get to you. Let's just say it for the after show. Uh, say Adam after the show. Not not your Adam, the other Adam. Oh God, you not Adam Lissigor. <sighs> oh man, I love him. I promised myself I wouldn't be angry anymore. Here's an email or a comment from literally, Daniel. Literally twice as angry. Daniel Jalkett. I God, the, I love that guy. The red sweater guy. I love that guy. He's all right. I'm looking he's fine. For, he's fine for his type. He's fine for his type. Yeah, for that kind of person, he's all right. Is he is he using Objective C? I think that's part of his problem. You know what his problem is, Dan? You know what his problem is. Don't brackets, you? lots too of brackets. To, too close to the metal. I'm looking forward to hearing the show. I relate to Merlin's post quite a lot as the self-employed parent of a small child. One point I think is significant for people in our situation is we're forced to draw for ourselves the lines that separate our work and home lives. On the plus side, we're often in a position to do a much more family-favoring job of drawing those lines. But on the negative, it's all on us. Nobody except, of course, an editor, customers, etc. is going to do us the favor of imposing any structure upon us. Merlin's post struck me as a realization that he is in full power to draw the lines as he sees fit and following his gut that it was the right time to take advantage of that power. I Thank you, Daniel. And what Daniel said on the Twitter was like, oh, man, because I like that guy a lot. 
You know, I think he sometimes thinks I'm kind of a dick, which is true. But I really like that guy, and I use his software, Red Sweater. Look it up. Um, hey, listen though, don't let me off the hook. Let's go back to that. Um, I, I don't have any way to address all of. Well, first of all, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff. I, I I never felt great about talking about this stuff to begin with because I've talked about the book a lot, but it's it's it has been privately extremely hard, and. Um, I might indulge myself a little bit later to tell you a little bit more about why that is. Mm-hmm. But let's start with your question, which is an important question. So let's – can we just do a laundry list of all the ways that I have just the pooch on this dog <laughs> in, in so many ways? Can I just – can we go through – can we just go straight to lightning Do we need to? No, I think we do because I think in, in, implicit in that is some idea that I'm sitting around with like a stack of money doing blow going, you're not going to get your book. And um, so let's that. Well, I mean, I ran out of blow a long time ago, to be honest. You know, I tried cocaine exactly once, and oddly enough, it did nothing. It did nothing for me. You know, maybe it's not funny. Do enough or something. You just put it around the rim of your butt, right? (laughs) I mean, as long as 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 Casey and the Sunshine Band's on it, it should work, right? (laughs) Yeah. Huh? Maybe I sat down too hard. (laughs) Damn, that was. Huh? I had a roommate who. Maybe it just doesn't work for some people. So many ways. I don't even know. Gosh, it's like that. Uh, oh, man. You ever see that Cyrano de Bergerac with uh, uh, Jose Ferrer? You ever see that movie? Mm-mm. Uh, well, well, you've seen Roxanne, probably. Yeah. You know, you yeah, know, I know, you know the, the Cyrano the story. Yeah. Well, there's a, wonderful, there's a wonderful scene where, at least in, I, I'm trying to remember that the, in the Roxanne one, but in the, in the original play, there's this wonderful scene where this guy uh, insults Cyrano and basically says, you have a big nose. Right, right. And, and he comes back with like, is really, is that the best you could do? Well, first of all, A, we're going to have a sword fight and I'm going to kill you. But for, while we're doing that, I'm going to compose a quatrain and each line is going to be a better way you could have insulted me. <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorite scenes. Uh, we'll link to this. Hopefully it's on the Netflix. Uh, but uh, gosh, I want to go all Cyrano on this. Let me just compose a quatrain based on all the ways I've screwed this up. Um, I, as I said before, I mean, like, and this, I don't mean any of this, I don't mean this as excuses. I just want to, just in terms of the doing my penance, let me just tell you some of the ways. Uh, just in terms of my process for this, this it's, it's really hard to write. It's hard for everybody to write. Um, but there are some things like publishing, I think, and maybe like to some extent, what? Oh my gosh, being a frat boy, being in showbiz. There's certain kinds of things where you really have to want it. You know, like I always say, like, I don't start fights with frat boys because they're good at it and they like it. You know, it's like the whole wrestling with a pig thing. And there are some people who really like the pressure of things like publishing and really like the process. And it is a very mature process to publish a book. You know, let's, let me just say, um, you know, writing in bullets in TextMate and then watching a movie and then checking your PO box is not technically part of the process. <laughs> right. I mean, if, if, I, at the risk of reiterating a lot of stuff, I think it's probably evident to a lot of people, um, even on your best day for most of us, writing can be a kind of a hard thing. Um, and for me, uh, it's never been hard for me to know what I want to say. And, and to be honest, it's, it's not really that hard for me to write what I, what I want to say. I, uh, it's just that historically, the thing that got me to the point where someone was, somebody else was interested in this was I was doing that 500 to 3,000 words at a time, mm. right? I mean, and I have to say, I, I, think, I think a lot of people, it's a theory, I don't know, but I have a theory that a lot of people have a sweet spot uh, for, for the length of thing that they're comfortable with or the, um, I don't know, if you want to think of it as like the atomic, molecular, like the level where they think. Like some people are great at aphorisms and toots, you know? Some people could do like a short blog post. Other people are really good at essays, you know what I mean? 
And so, but for me, my sweet spot is that a lot of my ideas for something to say gel at around the, you know, 800 to 5,000 word level. Right. Rarely five. I mean, that's a lot. Um, and so, I mean, at a, at a high level, it's been hard for me to, I have so much I want to say in this stuff. As is evident, every time I go, oh, it's in the book. Like, Shut up, Merlin. I know, I know, I know. But it's true. There's so much I want to say in here. There's things I want to say in here about all the stuff that you and I care about, Dan. All the stuff that we talk about on the pipeline, on here, all of the stuff we've talked about. What can go wrong with teams? Why we have trouble with managers? Why it is that you're so stupid when you're young and then like think you're right? And like why it is it's hard to learn things? Why it is that sometimes the advice that feels really good is actually really bad. Why it is that we like watching Project Runway more than answering our email. Oh, also email. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to say about all of those things. Meetings, that meetings talk I did. People really seem to enjoy that meetings talk. People also like the talk I did about fear. That is a lot of stuff to put in a book. And uh, if I were a better human, I would be able to throw out 90% of that. But it's hard because I do have, I don't want to say distractible mind, but I think I have a, um, I jump around sometimes. I'm not, the problem is the opposite of distraction in some ways. If anything, I, I will just bear down like a freaking pit bull on a topic. Um, and then it's, it's really, it's hard to, I feel like that stuff is so connected in my broken brain that it's sometimes hard for me to just dissemble that or disassemble that. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, to me, that's all related to some very similar problems around honesty, time and attention, um, the lizard brain, if you like, right? I, I, these, these phrases that keep coming up a lot. And I think there's five or six issues at the heart of this. So as far as like why this took two years, well, one of the, the big reasons it took two years is just because I've never done this before. And just to, I think we should just make the late Don Murray a sponsor of our show. Um, <laughs> um, but but uh, to be honest, uh, I did struggle a lot. Let's just say, I, let's even say, let's be honest, I floundered for a long time. I you know, was trying to put stuff together and I, I'd written so much and I had so many different things on all these different topics. And of course, at that point, if you're like me, you fall back into outlining mode or you're like, now let's do it in this way. And you know, it's back to the Caden and the index cards thing where I think sometimes you feel like you're going to lose the thread if you go too deep. You almost want to have this lifeline. It's like scuba, right? You want to have this line where you could tug it and somebody can pull you right back up. And when there's so many things that, that I'm trying to say, and I've got so many little bits and bobs, and I've got 1,000 words on this and 500 words on that, there's, this is nobody's fault but mine. But there's a lot of um, cognitive overhead just in trying to wrangle all that stuff together and to turn it into something that's sensible. I mean, our friend John Gruber, when I asked him about this however many years ago, like whether I should do this and what would make it good in his eyes, and he, if I may say reiterated this in a nice email this week is that it, he doesn't want to see a bunch of essays in a book. Right. And I have to say, I totally agree. I don't, I, I didn't want to take a bunch. I have some really nice, really, really, really nice, talented, successful friends who've put blog posts between two covers. And I was very unwilling to do that. Um, I could have done that. They, that, believe me, that was on the table. I had more than enough to basically hit print, give it to an editor and be done with my book in a month. You basically mean take, take things that you've written over the years, curate or edit them and, and put them together into a book format. For a period of a couple of years, I had the most popular website about productivity on the internet, Dan. Yeah, I remember. I, yeah, and it, I mean, I'm, I'm, no, there's no heroism in this. There's just like, if I'm, it's just an, I'm an idiot. I could have very easily done a lot of things to make this book happen a lot faster because I'm stupid. I could have gone, sure, tell you what, why don't you go uh, have, have Dan buy some controllers, um, <laughs> 
most of the better scrapers I think are in Perl, but I know you can, you can do that in Python, but not in as many ways. But go scrape my site. Fine. I'll give you a download. Here's, the, here's an XML file. I don't know if they even know what XML is in New York. They know what, they know what .docx is. <laughs> what is what's what is rtf what is what is that <laughs> back to the topic at hand how i am to blame for my book um that was hard for me because uh, I agreed with John and I agreed with everybody. I agreed that, that this needed to be a, a, a story, if you like, right? So, yeah, so I wandered for a long time. And then you know what? I'll tell you what. January of 2000, gosh, which year was it? January of 2010, something happened. Something changed. And I just, God, I, I really wish I could. I'm going to have an interview on Thursday with this guy I really like a lot named Chip Scanlon who works at the Pointer Institute there in St. Pete. And he, go, go Google uh, Chip. Um, and he's a wonderful, you know, first of all, the Pointer Institute, the folks, you know, behind the St. Pete Times. It used to be a great paper. I assume it's still a great paper. And uh, the Pointer Institute does great work. I think it's actually where Romanesco is now, right? His, his media store deal is, is based there. Anyway, mm. wonderful, non-douchey site full of great stuff. And I, I think, if memory serves, I think Chip was pretty good pals with Don Murray. And unless I'm speaking incorrectly, I think he wrote the foreword to the Don Murray book that's been most instrumental for me. We'll need to fact check that. But in any case, on Thursday, I'll be talking to Chip. So some of this will probably come up. But um, reading, that, reading more of Don Murray, uh, of all the writing stuff I've read, nothing actually changed the way that words appeared on a page, like reading uh, Don Murray's advice. And just to reiterate it for the thousandth time because it was so helpful, is he just said, look, just, just, just start moving. Like, don't, just keep moving. Keep writing. Keep typing. This, it will organize itself. Things will come out, right? Because my problem was I'd sit there and I'd, I'd doodle and outline and make things and fiddle and think. And you know what I mean? It's, I, there's something in the book about this. <laughs> How easy it is. Remember the heart and hand and, and, and uh, brain stuff, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think for a, somebody who perceives himself as being a smart and creative person, I think you always fall back to thinking, right? Like you always think you can think yourself out of everything. Right. And what I got from Don Murray is that's a lie, dude. Just move your hand. I know everybody said this, but the way that Don Murray says it really connected with me. That You get the day book and you write every day because that's just the thing you do. There's some Latin line that was very important to him. And it translates as never a day without a line. Something dulia, linea, something, something. Um, and I got to tell you, doing that really changed it. This is getting to the answer, I think. But something happened around then. So let's just take it. Like for the first year or so, man, this was freaking hard. And I just disappointed legitimately one way, my fault, 198% my fault. I did not produce anything that was anywhere near a book. I mean – as much as everybody else was going, hey, my, my, my agent, who's, who's also awesome, is like, Merlin, you've got so much good stuff on email. Like, why don't, why don't you just, like, rewrite that? Or why don't you turn that into something? And at every corner, everybody in this process has been totally supportive, especially up to that point. You know, at this point, the book's running late, and they're being cool about it. I'm getting extensions. But then in January, something really happened that is probably the worst thing that could have happened, except that it's the best thing that could have happened, which is that... I started to really accept how much this – you ever have stuff you just have to re-realize over and over? I had to just keep re-realizing that, A, this is not a book about email, which everybody always said from the beginning was fine, but I had to keep re-realizing that, mm. right? little voice in the back of my head kept hearing inbox zero, inbox zero, inbox zero, and kept having to see on the rare occasions that I would ego-surf Twitter – 
I would go and see Friday afternoons, hey, Inbox Zero, and I would just go, oh, God. <laughs> Finally, I can go home. I got Inbox Zero, and I would just be like, this is crushing me. Like, why, why, why did God make me say catchy things? Like, that's, dude, please don't say that. Like, and I saw, I saw something as recently as two days ago that, first of all, described me as a productivity cult leader. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. Yeah, here's Did your, I here's, say that? Here's your flavor aid. <laughs> Make sure to have the little ones drink it. Yeah. I, uh, no, I mean, uh, whatever, whatever, boo-hoo. But, like, that's frustrating to me because it, e- even from the beginning, uh, Inbox Zero was, well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm very comfortable saying that that was blog posts. I needed to write for my blog because I write for a blog. It's, like, my job and stuff. And I wrote those because I was like, you know what? <laughs> People care about email and they're hurting. And I'm going to tell you where I've gotten a little better at this. So here's that stuff, right? But even then, in those posts, at that time, go back and read them. It says in those posts that, yeah, the zero idea is that until you have a better system, a not bad system, until you're better at it, is to say, I'm going to process to zero every time. Very heavily influenced by David Allen. Like, wow, that's really pretty similar to David Allen, isn't it? I'm not really saying anything that new. I'm giving you some very specific ways to rethink this. David Allen's got a chart that works pretty well. I don't need to give you a chart. There's charts, right? What I think I gave you is a way of saying, you know what, I think you're smart too. I think you're smart enough to realize that uh, this email thing is about more than email. And that if you've got 5,000 emails in your inbox and you're not cool with that, then, then something should give, right? And in that case, even, even in a bunch of those, it says, hey, like, here's some tricks. Here's how to cheat, right? Here's how to use templates, all the stuff that, like, to you and you and me, sounds pretty obvious now, was pretty novel stuff to a lot of people in 2006. And I'm I'm genuinely proud of that work. It, it's helped me, and it's helped a lot of people. Um, but I fought that all the time because I was constantly feeling in the back of my head, how can I like f- leave behind all of this stuff? If you like the one who brung me, to start thinking about the stuff that is deeper and coming up increasingly more and more as I apply this Don Murray-like approach. And I don't know if we have a lot of new listeners today, probably not, but I talk about Don Murray a lot, and I just cannot speak strongly enough about the stuff that he's done. He's a teacher of writing teachers, and he was a coach of writers, and he's just a really inspiring old guy from, um, I think, New Hampshire. And he, um, but he, he really made me feel okay with the fact you know what? Let me put it differently. He made me realize that all the stuff I'd written that I actually did love and cared about did not come out of an outline. It came out of sitting down and moving my hands, right? Like that better thing or that some people seem to like or the four years post. on four, All the stuff that I've gotten the most, the, the, the responses that mean the most to me. The hipster PDA, I'm glad you love the hipster PDA. It, I still use it in some fashion. I frequently carry index cards around. I'm glad you like that. I don't think that's the best thing I ever wrote. I don't think it's the most original idea. <laughs> it's, I'm glad it helped. But it, the response from the Hipster PDA is great because it's nice to have an influence on people who are cool. Right. But when somebody says, I read better and I started doing something differently, because they felt the same pain I did. They felt they, they saw that. Something connected with them. And that, God, I just can't tell you how meaningful that is. To have... Last, in the last few days, these people I admire just going like, you know, well, just have anybody you admire say that's the best thing you ever wrote. But <sighs> people just going like, you know, mm, me too, my dad. You know, it's, yeah. 
and that didn't that didn't come out of an outline. You know, I I'd love to get to a point in my career where I don't have to be sad or angry to write something. <laughs> but it works, you know. And in that January of 2010 confession, I went out and started using the same notebook Don Murray did, which I'd used before, but I went out, I got a national green notebook, green line notebook, and uh, I did it. And I wrote every day, I got up every morning, and I wrote, and everything changed. And suddenly, I was taking my own advice of being somebody who didn't just talk about running shoes. I did write. I got, I'm sorry, I got to get to answering the question. I, I don't get to actually talk about this stuff, and uh, some people might care, who knows. But, um, when I did that, here's the bad part, is then it really became clear to me that, oh my God, I just read this thing that really didn't suck. It was not this unemotional thing with seven bullet points about how to, how to decide how to respond to an email. You know, And for years, phrases like managing email, phrases like organizing email, f- those phrases always stuck in my craw because something felt so wrong about them. And God, it had never become clear to me that like, wait a minute, that's, that, that's so managing your email. Like I say, yeah, what I, what's my line? You know, organizing your email is like alphabetizing your recycling. It just became clearer and clearer to me. And that's what led me to the lizard brain stuff. As I was writing, all this came out and I would go, I'd just sit there and write, write, and write, and write, and write, and produce all these words. And some of them were going to be good for the book and a lot weren't. And I'd stopped updating the site because it all needed to be for the book, the book, the book, the book. But at that point, it was going great. And for a couple months, I was really smoking. But it became a very, really apparent to me that my work was just beginning. That the work of what I really wanted to do, and I'm sorry to talk about it in those stupid, pretentious ways, but if you do work like that, you won't mind that. Because <laughs> it is your work, right? It's, it's the thing that you decide, you, you don't do other stuff so that this can be good. And that's what I did. Um, but that made it harder. Because it, then I started to have really conflicted feelings about the 45,000 words from 43 folders. <clears throat> And I would go and I would pull down and go into Scrivener and pull down everything from 43 folders that I really liked and I'd stare at it and I'd go, oh gosh, now I just need to find the thread to like pull this all together. But every time I'd start to do that, it would be really depressing because I go, no, what I really want to say is that this is exactly the kind of work that you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> the, the best work I was making was with this new stuff. And that's where I came up with the stuff that has like, as much as 43 folders has often felt like it as a site, as a property, as a thing, as an institution is on the wane, um, the most, some of the, as, as who was it? David Sparks in the interview we did said something that really took me off guard. He's like, well, you know, you think of yourself as a writer. He says, I think that some of the best stuff you've done is extemporaneous. And I was like, ugh, I think you're right. Because that's where I find out what I really think. When I write in that Don Murray way, that's where I find out what the book needs to be about. Now, is that my editor's fault? Is that HarperCollins' fault? My Christ, no, it is not. Those poor bastards. That's so awful. And you know what? Every single step of the way, my editor was great. And she was constantly saying, you know, this is your book. This is this. And she was great about it. You know, and I, I, I hate the fact that I needed that much encouragement. But even then, the stuff that I could produce for her was really thin in terms of, sure, I could hand her a pile of essays. I was very reluctant to hand her a bunch of blog posts she'd already seen, even if I'd edited them. But so that was, that. I guess, why two years? Well, let's just, I, I, don't, I have to check the dates for this. But my gut tells me that for a long time I floundered. And then when I stopped floundering, I realized that it was a different project. And although as supportive as people could be about it for a really long time, at that point, it really was late. And in, in this business, late has consequences. Like what? Um, well, for example, something I never, I kind of understood, like when I work with Brian, by the way, Brian's, can I just say, Dan, 
Brian Sawyer, like it sounds. Follow him on Twitter. He's great. And uh, he works at, o- I think he's still at O'Reilly. And he's done a lot of great work on those hacks books. I think he worked with PB on TiVo hacks and stuff. He's great, great guy. But he did his job. And his job was to go, Danny, Merlin, come on, guys. We got to get this out. And <laughs> just to see Danny and me in a room would just make you alternately laugh and cry. I mean, because Danny's like me, but worse in a lot of ways. I mean, he's a thousand times smarter than me. But like the two of us in a room, it's like two flustered old hens like sitting there typing. And, uh, but, but with that, I think, I mean, boy, we were just on the wrong track. That, that was a deal that we shouldn't have taken. That was not Brian's fault. That was not our fault. That was the wrong venue for what we were trying to do there. And we got hung up on trying to fit it into that system. But I did know that like PB being, you know, Paul from Metafilter, uh, who, who are some of the other folks? If you guys haven't read these O'Reilly Hacks books, some of them are truly outstanding. Have you read any of them, Dan? I have. You've read like, you know, well, like any of them. You wrote Amazon Hacks. You wrote TiVo Hacks. Have you read any, many of those? I haven't read many. I've read one or two, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was, didn't, wasn't there a Google Hacks one? Yep. Yeah, I think that's and the one I read. That, I think, wait, was that, who, was that, that wasn't Mark Pilgrim, was it? Was that, uh, hmm. or was it PB? Pilgrim is a good writer. Oh, God, he's an outstanding writer. And don't tell him I said so, but he's a really good human being, too. Is he? He wouldn't meet with me. Oh no, no! I lived I lived about a mile and a half away from him for a year or so, and uh, I never get together. I was the biggest gayest Mark Pilgrim boyfriend the entire time at Webstock. I mean, I think he had to like like divert my attention to get me to stop hanging on him. I just I adore that guy, and I've always been scared of him. You know, because I'm very smart guy. Oh my god, he's so freaking smart, and he's so he, you know what he is? He's one of those guys like Montero or Zeldman, where you're like, oh, you have there's a reason you have that exterior because <laughs> you have a really complicated soft inside yeah <laughs> really really good human um what's my point but you know what the production schedule on one of those is hacks book tell me brian or anybody else who's written one can correct me i believe it's might be eight i want to say six weeks really about to finish that's yeah crazy you, well, you really hand, have to great. clear off uh, your entire plate to do that yeah, but like how many times have you been listening to something on NPR and they go, Nina Totenberg's off this month because she's writing a book, right? How many, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. how like somebody like uh, anybody, like somebody who's done this a lot, I, I think it's a little, probably a little facile to say they write it in a month. But you can do a lot of write. I wrote 3,000 words in a day that some people are, I, this is other people's words, not mine. A lot of people think that's one of the better things I've written and that was 3,000 words in a day. It's hard to do that every day for what it's worth. But um, the schedule problem that you mentioned, why is that hard? Well, there are a series of what we in the business call dependencies, right? You can't go down to Walden Books. (laughs) (laughs) Does that even exist anymore? No, I think Walden's gone. I think they're right next to there between Record Bar and Camelot. Chess King. I made a Chess King joke on Twitter the other day. Um, You don't get to go uh, order that with Amazon Prime until it's gone to all of, until it's sitting there in um, whatever, Reno Sparks, ready to be delivered, right? doesn't get to Reno Sparks until it gets in a box and put on a truck and taken there. You can work backwards from this. Even all, for all the production stuff, there's generally six months after a book is done, or after the draft is done. You know, there's fixing it up, there's doing stuff. There's a whole series of business things, and this is where I have unintentionally screwed my editor so bad, and I hate it is that, you know, she's really stood up for me in a lot of ways, so many ways, because she's got to go into meetings and stuff. And they're like, so where's blog guy with this book? You know, and she goes, well, you know, no, 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 And she really believes, she really believed in it. She's really, she's been fantastic. And 
you know, I've been sitting there typing, trying to trying to make the book because we have two different jobs and we were both doing our job and she was doing hers better than mine, but I was sure trying. But then at some point she's got to go, hey, look, you know, we have cycles here. Do you know what I mean? You know, like in, like in um, what, what do you call it? Uh, frequent release thing? What do you call that? You know, like, like, what do you call it? Like a sprint, right? Like, you got like a, it's like a monthly cycle in, um, you're talking about like agile software like in a, development? Like, yeah, in agile and XP. You like have a, a sprint, sprint or something. I never did much of that. I don't know. A week, two weeks. Who cares? Do they, do they call it menses? I think so. These guys are all okay. the same. Where they right. write their code and they call and it agile one month and then it's extreme okay. programming the next month. And okay. And when you, when you, when you, the, the, the bootstrapping, menarchy, and then when you release it, that's menopause. Okay. <laughs> All right, and that's when you get all hot. Is that right? Only at night. Okay, Sigourney Weaver. Um, and so the thing is, those dependencies are really tough because you, you know how this works, Dan, right? Like you get the, so now the, the, how many times have you worked on a software product where the person who's in sales has to go, hey, wait a minute, you know, we got a buying cycle here, right? There's a time, if we're selling, if we're selling stuff to schools, if it's not ready to buy in May, we're going to have problems because that's when the, how the budgets work and so on. Do you know what I'm saying? Same with publishing. Publishing, there are cycles for when you release stuff. You have, gosh, you're going to have to figure out marketing. You got to get the cover together. You got to get the title right. You have to do stuff like important stuff. Like say you have to tell Amazon like to leave a placeholder for this thing. I mean, long before you have pre-orders. You, that, that's a very mature process. And there are, I would, I'm going to estimate because I don't really understand the industry, but when I finish my stupid part of the job, when I finish my content, um, there's still probably six or eight steps that are going to happen and they're all going to do their job as long as I do mine. So every time I miss a deadline, that's hard on a lot of people. Okay, right? Let's just, let's just say that. This isn't something, well, so I'm certainly not the only person that's, that's had something this late. Uh, you know, Chinese democracy comes to mind. Oh, but it is my first book and I had one book that didn't come out before. So again, you know, Every time that, that those delays have happened, it's been hard. Um, See, I would have thought you would have said Duke Nukem. Oh, that's a video game, right? Yeah, the, the Forever, is that the name of it? That's not the Frankenstein Nazi thing, though, right? What is that? What is that? Was Frankenchrist? What's that called? What's the, isn't there a Frankenstein Nazi game? What's yeah, that, with the, that, was, the walls? Bef- that was a predecessor to Doom. Okay. I'm trying to remember the name of that one. Someone in the chat, Castle Wolfenstein. Castle Wolfenstein, right, okay. Yeah. Now, okay. This is, Duke Nukem is different. And Tulsa, Tulsa Dune is the guy who played Darth Vader, right? Tulsa Doom. Yeah. What is good? Does she remember that? Yeah. To hear the lamentations of their women. <laughs> so Merlin, why isn't your book done? Well, I got another um, question for you to read. I, well, so let me finish. That. I'm sorry. Let me finish the last part. So anyway, I just want to make it clear to people that like, I, I apologize if I have done anything to say that, that I am pure as the driven snow. And now that I have a daughter, I don't have to do stuff. I am so not saying that. Uh, I just, maybe another episode or an after show thing. What I think talking about this process is interesting because I'm just being honest and public about it. Um, that, that that part is hard. And, and, and let me just also say, I am certainly not trying to hang my editor out to dry or to use that the horrible phrase, throw under the under the bus. I'm saying that unfortunately, regardless of how we got here, right now our jobs are on some level seemingly potentially at odds. And, and, you know, my editor's in autonomy for this company in some ways. I'm not trying to bang on my editor. She's just doing what she's got to do, right? right? That's her job. Yeah, yeah. But my being dishonest about that or my being misleading, or as I said to her in a very weird phone call in January, my promising you things that I have no business to promise you, um, it, 
I, I, I said something to her that I think really bewildered her. At a point, what you guys saw in that post the other day is something I've been living with for a pretty long time. And uh, it could be summarized in this remark to her when she was looking for assurances. And I said, why would you believe anything that I tell you at this point? Right? Because I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do it by this day. Like, and, you know, I'm really trying. And I really thought I'd get that, that other date too. And I really thought I'd get that other one. But uh, clearly, I don't have any business making these kinds of promises or giving you those consolations. So, and honestly, like, why would I have any credibility with you at this point? And that's the wrong question to ask your editor, I think. And because, you know, let's be honest, most of us, most of us want to hear the thing we want to hear, or we want to hear a decent explanation about why we're not hearing it. But when you, I'm not that honest of a person, but uh, it's really costly to not be honest. Um, I'm not saying I'm talking about lying. I mean, it's really not cool. If you say you're going to pick somebody up at the airport and you don't go, that's not cool. And the thing is, if you've asked me to pick you up at the airport nine times and then I say I'll do it, like, why would you believe me? Well, I might have had the best intentions of the world to pick you up at the airport, but if I didn't do it, the record shows that I'm not in a position to do that. I mean, I, I can't tell you why I haven't always done that. I, I think there's a variety of reasons why, that some of which I can go into and some of which I can't. But, uh, but at the heart of it, I finally said, I just, can't, I just can't keep giving assurances about this. I don't know how long it's going to take. You know, once I've made this macaroni a few times, I'll be able to tell you how long it takes and how many it will serve. Until then, and I'm not saying that to ask for more deadlines. I'm just saying that to be honest, right? I, I, I feel like sometimes um, if you tell somebody, you know, there's that, what do they call it, male answer syndrome, where guys feel like they have to give you an answer to something whether they know the answer or not. Hmm. And uh, when you stop doing that, it is extremely bewildering to people. Because I think it really does call up this basic problem of us having different things we need to do. You know, if I just told that cop when he pulled me over all, you know, for people just tuning in now, by the way, I'm not actually driving under the influence of cocaine. It's an analogy. But um, I might as well just say to that guy, well, you know what? If he says, are you having a good night? Or whatever it is the cop says when he pulls you over, how are you doing tonight? And I'll go, well, you know what? I'm blindingly wasted from all of these Richard balls I did, and I'm pretty sure I just hit that McDonald's pretty hard. And you go, you sure did. Let's go. <laughs> you know, if I no assurances that I give him would make him not do his job. Yeah. Right. I don't know, Dan. Did I did I weasel out of that? Did I answer what was the hardest part of that question? And and make me answer the hardest part of that question. I feel like the hardest part of it you did answer, and and no, but let me let me really answer it. Like what. That to satisfy what that person asked, uh, uh, John, John, John Mayer, Kenny Myers, to answer Kenny, Kenny Myers, Myers what, ask me one question and I'll give you one answer. Well, I, why, can't, why? I can't ask for him. Yeah, I really don't want to feel like I'm weaseling out, though. I don't uh, think you are. Uh, well, how about this? There's a worse one from Michael Anderson. Yeah, go. Michael Anderson says, I fully expect to see this thread uh, expected to see this thread. He's talking about the thread. By the way, sometimes we open up the comments ahead of time on the shows. Yeah. So yeah, if, I saw that on the talk show, and that's why I asked you to do it here. That's super yeah. Cool. You said you said, can you do it here? I said sure. So uh, we usually tweet that. You get to follow Merlin or me on Twitter to 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 do that because no, that's follow, follow Dan. Don't follow me because you have the robots. Hmm? Oh, I have I have people following me. Robots, so anyway, they yeah. went they went here to ask questions or make comments that we would address or read on 
the air. So uh, Michael says, I fully expected to see this thread full of craven praise for the blog post, so I'm glad to see others share my skepticism. I find it laughable that a guy who spends his time asking uh, people why they haven't shipped has failed to deliver on two book deals. The mawkish and overwrought cranking seems Mm -hmm. to have blinded many in the echo chamber to this fact. Obviously, family life is super important, but surely the whole purpose of Merlin's ethos is being able to get your work done while maintaining a balanced lifestyle. Many other people manage to be there for their children while writing books and on uh, more important and involved topics in productivity. Again, the irony. I suspect Dan will spend the show nodding along as Merlin justifies his failure and hypocrisy with torturous pop culture metaphors and oblique references, <laughs> just so long as you know some of us aren't fooled. Idea for show title, right. Do As I Say, Not As I Do. John Syracuse liked this. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to say. I thought I had you fooled. Um, wow. John Syracuse liked this. You want to button this up? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I think the show's over, Dan. I think I've been revealed. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean that's that's all true. I there's I don't know how I could begin to weasel out. I mean, some of that I think is um, well, it's. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, which part should I start with? Which, which part should I start with, Dan? Give, give me. Give well, me I, a, think, give me I think you already part. addressed well, the no, part. Well, no, look, 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 part, look, No, okay. hold on. I'm saying I think you already addressed the the first part of it. Uh, to right. the two book deal thing. Well, should we do the hypocrisy or should we do the how other people handle their kids or should we do the mawkishness or pick one? Pick one to start with. I'll do them all. The mawkish and overwrought cranking right. seems to have blinded many in the echo chamber to this fact. Right. Well, first of all, an echo chamber is uh, aural and so it wouldn't be blinding them. It would be deafening, um, which it may be because uh, I wish I could have left that part out, but I, I didn't feel like I could. Uh, I, I'm pretty comfortable with people not liking what I wrote. So that, that part doesn't, I, I, there's no accounting for taste, obviously. But, um, yeah, it has been hard. Um, it says, says for the, who I'm fooling, I don't know. I mean, I just, I say, I say what I, what I think is true today. And just because I'm not good at it today doesn't make it any less true. And I think the real charlatanism comes from somebody who acts like it does change. Um, just because it's you. Uh, I think if you really read what I said, I don't think there's anything in there that's at odds with that. I, I don't think. I mean, it could be. And if it is, well, I guess that's, it is what it is. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, and this is why I think there's a really important distinction to be made between indifference and acceptance. Um, I mean, I, I committed to this and I still plan to do it. But even setting aside, it's let's just there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just not going to come up in here because it's not fair. Right. Let's talk about the stuff that is fair for me to talk about, which is that they've given me a lot of chances and they've they've kept me on because they think it's valuable too. I mean, they I think they think it's going to be a good thing. There's people above my editor Ted that really wanted this to happen, and I think it still can happen. Um, um I, I mean, I'm not which which I guess I guess as far as the, the who I'm fooling stuff, I don't think I'm fooling anybody. Uh, what's his name? Oh, that guy, was it Michael? Let me go back Michael? up there. I'm already um, looking. Michael Anderson. Michael. Well, um, I don't really think I'm fooling you, Michael. And I, and I think that's probably the, the troubling part is I don't think there's anything I could say that could fool you. There's, there's nothing to be fooled about. Like, what is it that I am actually covering up? <laughs> what, what, what part of this is actually um, making me look that great? I didn't deliver a book after two years. And it, it took until the point where I finally felt like the sacrifice wasn't enough anymore that 
and which we should come to you later. This is not heroic, but it's just true. Um, I don't know how good of a father I am, but I'm doing the best I can. And I do know that at a certain point, um, no, this is in some ways, I think very related to the time and attention stuff that may or may not be BS. I, I think it's not. I think you have to do a, an ineffably difficult, dynamic, constant rethinking. Uh, this is really what knowledge work is in some ways, right? Is like figuring out what's important today. And what I haven't said to the Michaels and the peoples of the world is that this has always been important to me. Not that it matters to anybody, but you know, you are listening to the show and typing on a website, so I assume you're somewhat interested. Um, is that it has mattered to me, and I've I've deliberately not talked about specifics of why this has been hard because I knew it was my cross to bear, if you like. And the reason I'm talking about it now is that um, just a few things that have happened in the last little while have made me, a number of things that have happened have coalesced. And I tried to cover that in a classy way in that post, but enough has come together that I want to be in the house at six now, right? Um, or, or think of it however you like. It's, it's, uh, I, it's not like I wasn't spending time with my kid, but at a certain point, you have to, I think everybody has to evaluate what the best use of their time and attention is to do their job and to do the right thing. Um, and I, I, whether I practice what, whether, what I preach, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it always strikes me that the allegation of hypocrisy is believed to be one of the most effective ways to end any discussion. And it frequently is because both sides tacitly agree that once you've accused somebody of being a hypocrite, let's say you've even proved that somebody's a hypocrite, well, once you prove that they're a, hi a hypocrite, there's nothing else to discuss. And it, it seems to me that, that if that's true, well, then there, you know, there's no reason, no reason to have a lot of conversations. But... If hypocrisy is not the main thing that you worry about in life, then there's a lot more interesting arguments that we can have. Um, it strikes me that a lot of the people who are most concerned with hypocrisy are people who are terrified to be called a hypocrite. And I used to mind that, but now that just makes me feel like somebody who's wrong sometimes, but also somebody who doesn't let the threat of hypocrisy keep them from doing the things that they think are important. Me telling the kid next door to turn down his goddamn rap music at two in the morning makes me a hypocrite because I played much more annoying music, much more loudly. It's very hypocritical of me to do that. But I do that because it's what I need to do now. I may do something that makes that look hypocritical in a day or two. Um, I just know so many people whose lives are just a big piece of crap because they're really worried about looking hypocritical. I try to be as honest as I can be about saying what I'm comfortable saying about my life and my own work. But what I can sure be honest about, Michael and friends, is that not being a hypocrite is not going to make your work better. It'll increase your brand. Um, it might make you feel safe. And it might make you seem like you're inoculated from criticism. But you're not safe. People will always criticize you. And all it really does for you is make you more reluctant to do hard things because it might be off-brand. And so maybe I'm trying to pull some kind of uh, Kurt Girdle trick here, but I have to say, I think not sweating that too much, uh, the appearance of that, well, I don't know. Maybe that's a big thing. I mean, obviously, if you're in government or something, you need to look really straight-laced. Um, but... I, as far as practicing what I preach or trying to fool you, I don't know. I've tried to fool you for a long time by thinking that the book was almost done when it wasn't. I'll admit that. 
I tried to fool you for a long time by, uh, that's really pretty much it. <laughs> I, I have worked really hard on it and I've tried to take care of all the, keep a balance. I, balance is such a tough word with this stuff because it's, balance implies that there's like this seesaw with two things on it and you hope that it stays in one way. I think of it more as an engineering problem. Um, with my very perfunctory understanding of engineering. And that is that it's very hard to change one factor about anything. As I've said before, you know, if you want that plane to fly across the ocean, it's going to have to carry a lot of heavy gas, right? It's very, I think one of the most reductive things that we see people doing in a lot of our public discussions is assuming that you can change one factor about anything. I'm going somewhere with this. Are you with me so far on this, Dan? Yeah. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so for example, why is it that we have so many fights in politics? Well, we have a lot of fight, fights in politics because people choose to see one problem that has one solution that will have absolutely no knock-on effects as a result. And you don't have to be a giant James Burke fan to know that that is so factually incorrect that it's mind-boggling. So to say, well, I really care about the environment. Okay, well, you really care about the environment to the exclusion of what? Like, what's allowed to die in order for the environment to live? And that's not a loaded question. It's just a question. I really care a lot about my kids. Okay, well, what's allowed to die in order for your kids to stay alive? That's an engineering problem. And it's an engineering, in my case, it's been an engineering problem that's been extremely challenging. Um, because, and this is, again, not so far off the really practical part of this, you know, the black box job stuff of how do you please three bosses who don't talk to each other? Well, part of being an adult is having to make really hard decisions about what you're not going to do today. I really believe that. I'm not a great adult, but, I, but I, I do know that much. And so I don't know if I'd even call it keeping a balance, but I, it's really closer to juggling in some ways. Or, you know, it's almost like, uh, what, like creating a canal and trying to push water back with these, you know, steps. So um, that, what's the hardest part of that question, Dan? I think you got it. No, no, don't let me off, dude. That no, guy's I have more, gonna, I have more guy's... questions. I, th I think uh, I have more questions. All right. We're running All right, out of time. but I mean, like, I, you know, I, I, well, I apologize, Michael, if, if you feel like I've been fooling you I'm, uh, or anybody. Um, uh, if there's anything that I, I am, like, a sen brand sensitive about, it's the idea that I'm trying to fool you with anything. And uh, by the resulting comments being, whenever I do anything, it's the people who kind of get where I'm going with it tend to not say a lot and the people who kind of don't get where I'm going with it get kind of mad because they, they think I'm hmm, hmm, hmm. like you say there's the that, that's fine for Merlin kind of thing of like well yeah but like how does that apply in all situations to all people all the time and like it doesn't but just because it doesn't apply doesn't mean I, always I'm not doesn't mean I'm not going to say it you know what I mean it's I don't know I think it's I think that's a, that's, a, that's a little bit yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry to lose a fan. <laughs> but did I, did I skip that? Ask John. Ask, you know what? Ask Jay, sir. What, what, what is, what, I'm glad. I think I suspect he liked that because it's a good dissenting view. But ask Jay, sir. What does he want to ask? Well, uh, he's listening probably, so he'll, he'll hit me and I am. Well, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of the, shy, the, the hard questions. No, and I want to mention, I did not, you know, a lot of the people that put comments on there, they were very supportive, favorable yeah. comments too. I'm just picking the ones that... Oh, uh, no, no. That's the, ones I, that's the ones that I think the are most ones. reasonable well, here, So here's a few questions that, that I have, yeah. which are not so much about that, but uh, more about the actual, as, as you would say, the brass tacks. Yeah. Um, what does this mean for the book? What does this mean 
for, you know, you having to, you know, go to the Supreme Court now or stand before them and <laughs> and get yeah. sentenced or whatever. I mean, like, I'm really wondering what, you know, and, and then there's a question that comes behind that that I've seen a lot of people ask and, and talk about in the chat room and elsewhere, which is why, and I, I we didn't get to talk about this last time very much, but why didn't you just start out and say, I, I'm going to self-publish this? Why did you go for the book in the first place? But that would be part two. I'd rather hear the, yeah. the part one, the, as you say, the brass tacks. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I, I've got a, um, I've got a deadline of June 15th that I have every intention of filling. It's what I've been working toward for a really long time. Um, excuse me. Oh man. Oh God. My insulin is spiking. I, I, uh, I still have every intention of reaching that. <laughs> right. Um, the wrinkle and yeah, sure. I mean, gosh, this is certainly pressure I've, um, ended up bringing upon myself by not doing this a long time ago. Um, well, let me bracket one thing and just say that, like, wow, I mean, if you're going to just walk around feeling bad about how you got where you are, you're never going to get anywhere better, you know? Like, if, if it's my responsibility to go out and feel bad about how I got where I am, I, I do try to learn from that, and I have learned a lot from that, but, like, I just, I, I encounter so many people who walk around just feeling like, because they, they feel like it's their job now, that's their albatross, that like they're not allowed to get better at it. That's another problem with the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy thing and the brand thing is it does not leave a lot of room for you to be wrong. It does not leave a lot of room, room for you to apologize. It just leaves a lot of room for you to like keep explaining how you did something that somebody else perceived you should have done. Well, I, like I said, I screwed the pooch on a lot of this, but that doesn't change how hard I'm going to fight to make this the thing that I want. That's in some ways I can talk about and some that I can't. That's what is making this a little bit difficult right now. That's what brought me to that post. Mm. Um, I mean, this might have been a super interesting conversation to have a year ago. Um, I'm sorry, brass tacks. I don't know what it means yet. Um, Like, uh, like, do they, you wrote this post. Yeah. Have they seen it? Did you send it to them? It seemed like you were writing it to them in a way too, because you were saying, you know, this, I wrote this instead of the chapter about email. Mm-hmm. I mean, is did you send that or something like it to them, or have you not said anything to them, or or what? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they don't listen to this I'm, show. No, I don't know what to say. I I feel like I don't want this to turn to some kind of blanket party, and I don't want to sound like I'm deferring anything. Um, I had a deadline of April first to send ten thousand new uh, ten thousand words. I had a deadline of uh, April fifteenth to send uh, thirty thousand words, and I hit both those deadlines. Um, and what I sent, um, on April 15th was what I considered some pretty good stuff. Um, some old, some new, uh, the new stuff was stuff that I'm just really super excited about. Um, and, but you know, it was not in any sense of the word, like a manuscript. I sent like six HTML documents that were 38,000 words, but they were certainly in English and readable. Um, I'm not comfortable doing this. This is not fair. This is not fair. (laughs) It makes me look a lot better, but it's not fair. I'm not going to do it. Let's just say I turned in what I thought was reasonable yeah. and good. And what I frankly thought was exactly, A, what my editor wanted, and B, what my editor knew was coming. Mm. Um, but she didn't think it was acceptable as something she could show to her colleagues because I think she really wants something that looks like a manuscript, even if it's not a complete thing. And that's, that is absolutely not what I sent. Um, but, you know, I thought, I thought we were on the same page about that, but I, I guess we weren't. Um, and so that's really what we, where this thing came to. So is like, this, is it done? Is the book deal done? Is it salvageable? Why, why perpetuate it if it seems like you aren't happy with it? Why not 
can you get out of it? Do you want to get out of it? Do you want to, are you feeling like you need to do it just because you made the commitment to do it and, uh, and, and you're well, going to stick I mean, to that you're or asking, what? You're asking, you're asking a, a lot of questions here uh, that I'm happy to answer any of, but well, you know where I'm going with it. I'm kind of know where you're going, but I mean, it's again, indifference versus acceptance. I mean, well, I don't know. I'm writing a book. I hope they like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like th- this is the this is the thing. I think I have unintentionally become a little dangerous, uh, <laughs> just in the sense of like, no, I mean, I I want it to be published. I want it to be with them. I want it to be with that editor. I want lots of things. Yeah. No way are any of those covers going to be my cover. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to decide what that means. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't. I'm not telling you whether this book deal is on or off. I'm telling you, there's no way in the world there's going to be pussy willows on my book cover. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Dan, for folks who haven't heard, could you please reiterate what the covers not looked like? But what was your impression from the covers? That they were, I mean, in a word, they were they were unacceptable. They were uh, they didn't do a very good job of representing what your stuff is all about. They looked like a really good cover for a computer tips. Picked it up in the airport on my way for a flight or because I had a long layover kind of a book. Yeah. I showed, I showed it to my wife. You didn't authorize me to do this, but I showed no, it to, I showed that's it to fine. my wife. Yeah. And, and she says, you know, she's like, it's not a bad cover, but it doesn't look like anything. I showed her your cover first. And then she says, well, she's, this isn't, it's not that it's bad, but it just my seems cover completely. Mock up, my cover mock-up idea. Yes. Can we just reiterate that? Cover mock-up idea. And she looked at this one. She said, it, it's not like it's a bad cover. She's like, it just has nothing to do with Merlin or what he's about or what it sounds like he's, because she listens pretty much only to this show. This is like the only show she listens to. So, I love it. Sorry, it's John cool. Syracuse. Um, but, uh, no, you know, can I just say, I don't, I don't, I don't know your wife, but her problem is she's too close to the metal. Could you just tell her that? I will. And all the after dark, she listens that, that you're in, she listens to those. So, you know, but she basically said, you know, she totally gets why it's totally wrong for you. And, and this is somebody who, you know, she, she wouldn't, necessarily care about the Ariel Helvetica difference, but she could still tell the book wasn't right. The cover wasn't right for your book. And so for people who don't know, this book was typeset poorly. It used to stock photos, some of which had what a pussy willow in them. Others had an, an, I think it was a, there was a, an it was island. a desert island with palm trees. Yeah. There was what literally appeared to be, was it the desktop? from Windows 95? Something like that, No, Dan, Dan, it was either that or the Teletubbies. What was that? It was pretty close, right? (laughs) Yeah. When I said that, you left, but seriously, I I never used Windows 95, but wasn't it pretty close? It was very close. And she she looked at this and she said, you know, she just had the sense that... A covered bridge. I haven't been able to look at it. Was there there a covered bridge? Was that one of them? Like a Bridges of Madison Madison County? Oh, it was like a... Like a... um, It was like showing a... Like a meadow with the sky over it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, looking yeah. up for inspiration, perhaps. Yeah, well, for the people for the people who are crossing their arms and and, and are ready to join my friend Michael in, in thinking that this is just ludicrous, eye rolling stuff for a grown man. Um, I, I want to put a little bit of meat on the bone here. That I was basically just pretty much the equivalent of like CC'd on that. Like, as in, like um, she sent me a very urgent note that she needed input immediately on the cover art, and here's what we've come up with. So it was right. presented, just so we're clear, Dan, that was presented to me as like, which of these four do you like most? Right. Pick the one you like the most. Right. All of them are approved. Yeah. Which is like somebody giving you four piles of poodle poop and saying, which one has the least corn? Well, I don't know. I'm, can I ask a different question? Where the, <laughs> um, 
but let's 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 okay. So it's a horrible, I that, horrible. I mean, it's a horrible cover. It didn't it misrepresented everything is, that you're about? Is it unfair to say that terrible, almost unprofessional level of quality? Yes. I showed it to I think four people. You not to go private here, but I, you were included in an th- email thread with some friends, right? Who I trust. Um, <laughs> um, there's a word one of our friends used that I've heard from numerous other people, and is the word embarrassing. Mm. It was embarrassing. Yeah, he was embarrassed to even have to comment on it. <laughs> right? Why does this matter? It matters because. Um, a, it came the same week that uh, I was told that in order to basically avoid getting my head chopped off, I was going to have to talk more about email fast. <clears throat> Understandable, whatever, doing a job, understood, take it as read. Um, it came the, uh, the same week that um, it came at a bad time. Yeah, and because and I had just sent that thing for at least the second, and I think the third time I'd sent my cover. I'd, I'd included it just for fun with a couple things. I knew they weren't going to love it, and I knew, as I mentioned in the last After Dark, I knew that I was mainly somebody who got like a, um, yeah, I was like not an ex like an exhibition game. What do you call that? Like an honorary, <laughs> like an honorary seat. Oh yeah, to, to like to like get to like uh, have get to like be there when they decided what my cover would look like. Um, and if that hadn't looked so bad and that one hadn't looked so much like the four hour work week in some ways, I, I guess, I guess it just hit me at the wrong time. And then the fact that to quote my editor, when I said, what'd you guys think of mine? Let's go in that direction. Uh, I said, it's not a done thing, obviously, but I have a lot of friends who are extremely talented designers who could help us out. I would love to work directly with your team on this. Please right. include me in this process. She said that it quote unquote wouldn't fly. And then it was quote too messy. And that was it. Period. Uh, so it was bad timing. It was bad timing. Um, did you have another immediate question or can I tell one, one thing? Yeah. Tell it. Should I not? No, do it. Should I tell the December thing? Yeah. Do you remember the December thing? No. It sounds really interesting. December's a cool month. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> after show, after show. All right. Gotta pace yourself. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to defend myself, but I also want you to understand why why um why this is not as simple as it looks. Um, if if your point of view on this is why did Merlin not live up to his contract, you're wasting your time here. I didn't. I didn't. I haven't. If your point of view on this is wow, this book it sounds like it's this is kind of a complicated story. I wonder why Merlin's so worked up about this. Then we have a lot that we could talk about. You, you should go interview the other folks to find out how badly I've done this business deal that anybody could do to make something that ends up as a book. The 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 part of this that's going to be interesting to talk about someday is what I've had to fight for to keep this my thing. And you know what? If you're here to find out like how I failed at that contract part, then that's not going to interest you. If you're you're here to find out why I'm done sitting in a room at six in the morning, god damn it. December 21st, December 21st, I um, got a very helpful, nice email from my editor saying, hey, look, you know, we've got a deadline coming up here. We, you know, want to help you out. want to get you some help. It's like, fantastic. I said, I've been asking for help for months. So I was like, you know, I'd love to get somebody to help me with, with any aspect of this. Yeah, I was like, I really want to help you out. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what does that mean? Well, we should, you, should, you should talk to your 
to your agent. So my agent was actually on leave. My agent has been on leave since September. So I, I dealt with the owner of the agency. Um, it's kind of a very long story, hopefully short, because I my head might blow off. I had a call with this guy, and uh, he said, uh, yeah, uh, hey, listen, we got to get this done. we got to get this out. got to get it out. So I, I understand that. I understand that. Hi, by the way, I'm Merlin. Nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> we got to uh, get this... Uh, we want to get you some help. I said, that's what I was told. I was told, can you tell me a little bit about what kind of help you're, you're talking about? Well, there's this guy we know, and we're going to get, get, want to bring him in to give you a hand with this. I said, ah, okay, well, you know, I'm real stupid. I'm from Ohio. So, like, what does that mean? Well, you know, sometimes books, you know, they need help to um, finish and uh, get people to come in. And, uh, you know, this kid's great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, who is this kid? Oh, his name is Boop, and uh, he does Boop. Okay, well, I, I never heard of him, but he's going to help me, right? So he's going to be like a, you know, I've been telling him for a long time, I really would like to have somebody to talk to about this, somebody to bounce ideas off of, somebody to go, hey, you just rambled for six hours. Here's the one interesting thing you said. Why don't you do 5,000 words on that? That's right. something I've wanted forever. Michael Lopp has helped me with that. A lot, a lot of people have helped with elements of that. But I'd love to have somebody regularly that could be my therapist to help me go, that's the good thing, write that. Really to be kind of a... Uh, a surrogate editor, if you like. But uh, this kid, you know, he's great. I hope we can get him because, you know, he's really uh, in demand. And I was like, okay, well, like I say, um, you know, I, I ate a lot of macaroni and cheese as a kid. And, uh, you know, I went to public schools. So why don't you give that to me in Pigs and Bunnies? We're going to go hire this kid who's great. And when he's doing his job, the verbs of his job will be What? When we get off our first phone call, and it went extremely well. This is Merlin, the project manager, kicking in here. When we've had our first phone call, and this kid who's great has talked to me, and we've decided what each of us is going to do next, what's the first verb that he's going to do? Right. He's great. When he comes in. <laughs> so it took a, a while. Uh, let's, let's, just, let's just understand. I don't think this man knew who I was. Uh, he certainly doesn't have the slightest idea what my book is about, not that that matters except that he wanted me to hire someone I didn't know uh, to ghostwrite my book for $15,000 up front in 10 days. Uh, So let me just be really clear that that $15,000 would come out of my pocket that day to hire somebody that I had not met to ghostwrite my book. And it was... was, um, it was like that Steve Martin line, you know, like uh, whenever you want, you want to really script your kid, whenever you're around him, talk wrong. So it's like his first day of school and he goes, may I mambo dog face to the banana patch? <laughs> when he said that, it might've been, may I mambo dog face to the banana patch? Yeah, yeah. Cause I was like, I honestly, on so many levels, I don't know where to start. Well, first of all, I don't have 15 grand right now, <laughs> but second, um, Salient, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I felt like I had to tell that, but I needed to get that out because that's, that's been hanging over my head the whole time. Mm. That anything I give them was potentially going to go into the hands of some kid who's really good at something. And uh, boy, ah, you don't have to know, know or like me, but if you've worked on something for a couple of years and then you know there's some kid out there who at any point could grab it, that makes you real antsy. And I said, you know, I, I know... I understand that your your job is hard here. It really is. Like you, 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 it's their deal too, right? I was like, but it would be really hard for me to explain. I'm not cursing as much when I tell you this. Uh, it would be really hard to explain on how many levels that doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, I said, 
there's this book you've probably never read called The Mythical Man Month um, that describes why you never put people on a late project. I said, I don't know. I can't imagine how anybody would help when I'm spending 18 hours a day on this, you know, sort of impotently, admittedly. I'm not really sure how adding somebody to this right now, the week before Christmas, is going to help get this done faster. Yeah. Right? Um, the whole, like, I pay for this myself thing – it's 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 weird. It's like it's like it's like they're gonna rent me fondue forks to stick in my ass. It's like, are you? This is really weird for this book that is about on some level like sticking with stuff when it's hard. Like, do you know, Dan? Does that do you, do you get how that was kind of hard? Yeah, I mean, I just don't. I I think it's it's that he was the chainsaw consultant type person. He was the. You know the the closer. He was the guy who's going to come in and. Well, he was a man who like who's a man who like my editor was trying to do his job, yeah. and, and he what he offered me was something that really gave me the fear. It's it's made the last few months a lot harder because that's always been there, and the fact that I this has certainly not helped our relationship on any level. But I, I basically wrote an email to everybody that day, and I said uh, I'm going to be away for a while. <laughs> Uh, that was that was something where that was their version of an intervention, and mm. uh, you know, like I've said, I mean, not that it matters, but at this point, as of today, I have close to one hundred fifteen thousand words of stuff here. It's just not all in the right order yet. It's not that I haven't been working. It's not that there's not stuff. It's not that I'm jacking off. There's a lot here, and it's really great. And if you've seen the bits of it that I posted. Little Kobayashi Maru thing, the little macaroni and cheese thing. Yeah. There's little bits of this that are going to be really, really good. And the people that I've shown it to said, for the love of Christ, don't you dare make this anything but that book. And that matters more to me than making that guy in New York happy. Yeah. And I'm sorry that that dude didn't get his $15,000 in December, but I am enough of a contrarian that after that happened, I really dug in. And I said, you know, I really want to hit these deadlines. I paid my fancy lawyer <clears throat> to go renegotiate to make this go to June. And I still have every intention of delivering a book then. But boy, nothing will put, you, put the fear in you like that. And not, 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 the, not the fear in the way of like, oh, I better get to work. Fear in the sense of, holy crap, I'm so not going to let you sit my house. You're not going to borrow my car. Like at that point now, that's, I don't know, maybe that's really self-involved. But at that point... That this relationship became very difficult for me. So flash forward a few months, and uh, I've been extremely productive. Mm -hmm. I've written some of the best things I've written in a really long time. That dumb post about my dead father you read is a pretty good flavor for what this book is going to be like. And it's not going to be ghostwritten. There's a lot there. Uh, there's not enough to keep my editor happy right now. I don't know what that's going to mean, but if you can imagine having made some stuff along the lines of that, and then being told that my book cover is going to possibly have pussy willows on it. Yeah. And that's when, I, that's when things have flipped a little bit. I don't have a great response. For those of you who are real grown-ups with real jobs, I don't have a way to make you love me. And that's personal. Frankly, that's just not my highest priority right now. I, I, I want to I share that with you because a lot of people have asked where this is going. Why isn't this book out? Well, there's a lot of the book there and there's a lot of the book done. But something, and it's not really about the cover except that it is in the same way that it wasn't really about the ghostwriter, except that it was that the fact that that team agreed that that was the thing to do made me, no matter what I owe them, no matter how far I behind behind I am, 
that made them say that that made me say like I'm really worried about what you guys are going to do with this. It made me really worried that this was going to be something that I could be proud of. And if that if that makes me a diva, like I I'm just I'm just super okay with that. Because the the longer I've spent and the harder it's been and the more things I've not done to do it, the more sacrifices my family and I have made to do this and the more I've come to love the words that are coming out, the less likely I am to let anybody scare me into doing anything. And that's to me the big difference. Indifference is saying, I don't care about this and you can tell. Acceptance is saying, I care about this so much that I'm just going to have to be okay with the things that aren't in my control. What is in my control is making a really good book. What is in my control is not letting somebody with sticky hands touch it. Um, what's not in my control is whether or not that helps anybody else do their job this week. They're going to have to decide that. And that's, that's where I am today. I'll have to check my email after this. But, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think anybody out there who's had a book or who's been in publishing is going to go, wow, boo-hoo for Merlin. Like, you got a book deal and then somebody went to finish it. Wow, that's really tough. Well, you know, it's more important to me to make a book that helps the people who cry when they read that essay than it is to try and make somebody who doesn't like me happy. You're doing that, a lot of you, and it's not making you happy. What makes me happy is knowing that doing something that's really stupid and uh, difficult and... uh, painful sometimes, is going to produce something that I'm going to be proud of for years. It may not be Thunder Road, but it's something I'm going to be really proud of. It may not be um, bringing it all back home, but, but I think it's going to be pretty good. So, next question. I think that's it. I think we end it there. It's a really good... Uh... Holy God, we got to button it up. But Dan, Dan, did we get to the nut of any of this? I mean, I didn't want this to just be about, let's talk about Merlin's popular essay. I think, I think we did, but the people will be the judge of that if we did. So this isn't our, is this our last show? Yeah, we should button the whole thing up. I mean, is, well, is this it, the end of the series? Oh, I think, I, I think it should be, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> now that I've been revealed? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I have the credibility, Dan. Dan, why would you believe I'd do another show with you? Why? This is Lucky 13. Yeah. 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 Did Jaser have a, have, a, have a specific question? Let's see. He did IM me. He gave me some really good advice. Okay, he, said, so. he said, oh, he was in a meeting because he has a job. Hmm. And I actually, he, he sent me a picture of himself in his office. And it's one of the, we, we should talk about this another time. Yeah. But it's one of those open offices and his back is to like the world. And he, I don't know how he works up in there. Did he have Pussy Willis as the, as the desktop? Well, he did have one of those posters that says like, you know, teamwork or whatever on it. <laughs> right behind uh, He says, uh, well, he, you know, he, he, he was saying that he, the reason he liked that question was because it was a challenging question. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a totally challenging question. It, but it was, you know, I, it's, I don't, you know, again, I, I don't know how to respond in a way that doesn't make me sound like I'm trying to defend myself and placate that person. That was somebody who I can't make happy. Like, there's no answer I could give to that person that would not be a repudiation of reality. Like, okay, well, I mean, that, that's almost like a, um, like, I don't know that person at all, so I wouldn't know what kind of question would be appropriate to ask that person. But um, I pitched my book to them in whatever that was, I think 1972. I said to them that this – I'm sorry to pick on Tim Ferriss. I have met the man, and he is super nice. He's super nice. I think what he does for a living is dangerous. I really do. Um, 
it's, it's, it's harmed people I've met and it's harming a business that means a lot to me. Nice guy that he is. I pitched this to them as the opposite of the four-hour work week. The book deal that I got was based on the fact that I said this is the opposite of the four-hour work week. He gets the first third of all of that right, which is learn how to manage your attention and not apologize for it. I think he gets the last two-thirds wrong because he says phone it in. Um, what, I, what I said to them and what I will say today is that, that I think this is the opposite. Not the opposite of that. It's not a reaction to it. But I look at it that way. I look at it as a way of saying, like, this is about how, how to make the time to do something harder than what you're doing. It's about rather than managing your attention to be able to do less, Hence the hammock joke I'm always making. It's about making the time to be interesting, of some, be scared of something that's more interesting. And this is a way more interesting thing to be scared of than like, will people buy my book? I'm not worried about people whether people will buy my book. I mean, they'll buy it if they think it sounds interesting. But what I what I what I just I just can't imagine living with is is coming up with something that is not true to that vision of something that is complicated and is hard, but does encourage an incredibly smart person to make a slightly better change by doing something that's difficult. And I hope this is I hope this is something that's along those lines. And if it's not, maybe I'll get it right next time. But I, it's not going to stop me from trying. I don't have a joke. I don't think we need one this time. Yeah. Hmm. I love you. Love you too. <laughs>